So what I want to just share with you guys um, tonight is I actually want to continue a little bit, I guess, on what Mark started last Sunday. It was all about the new. And I do believe that we are heading into a new season in the life of our church. You know, just over the last few weeks, we've had encouragement with that regard, in that regard. And so what I want to do is actually continue that. And so, you know, um, today I just want to talk about the new season, a new season. Amen. I'm sure many of you know what it means to embrace a new season, whether you've either moved home or you've moved to a different country or you've moved schools or universities or you've moved into a new job and you've had a new season that is ahead of you. I think every single one of us can actually say, yes, I have experienced something new and we are heading into a new season and we need to put our seatbelts on. We need to buckle up and get ready for the ride. Amen. Get ready for the ride because it's going to be an adventurous ride. It's going to be a ride where the Holy Spirit is going to do things that we have been believing God for years and years. And I believe He's going to do it. And I believe also there's going to be a moment where it's not going to be like, yes, we have been believing for so many years, but there's going to be suddenlies. There are going to be suddenlies in your life. There are going to be suddenlies in our life as a church. Suddenlies where we believe in and believing. Who have you been believing God for? What have you been believing God for? And you've been standing on His Word, His faith. You've got faith in His Word. Not faith in your faith, but faith in Jesus Christ and faith in His Word. And I believe that God is going to do things and it's going to be a suddenly. And we're going to look and we go, look what the Lord has done. Amen. So these new seasons that we, you and I have all um, had in our lives, you know, for me, I've had a few new seasons. I mean, gosh, getting married to Mr. Mark Wilkinson was a new season for me. I walked into the church that day as Miss Joyce Chaudhry and I left the church as Mrs. Joyce Wilkinson. Yes, 24 years ago. And, you know, with the new seasons, there comes some adjusting. And, you know, within our marriage, there was some adjusting to do pretty early on. We just got married and we went on honeymoon to Crete. Now you have to understand when I got married to Mark, I was 30. I already owned my own home. I had my own car. I I had a senior role in my my workplace. And so I, you know, I wasn't short of a penny or two. It was all good. And when when I got married to Mark, we went away on honeymoon to Crete. And for some reason, he wanted to have the passports and everything in his little And so I was like fine with that. But then we went into this little shopping like quaint um, streets of Crete. And I just presumed because I was newly married that if I just decided to go into a shop that I did not need to inform my dear husband because he would only have eyes for me and he would know I've gone into that shop and he would just go into that shop with me. So I went into a shop and I had a really nice look around and I looked around for my doting husband and he was not there. So I thought, oh, he'll come back. So I carried on looking and he didn't come. So I went off to the door and I looked down this little quaint cobble street here and this quaint cobble street there and there's no sign of Mark. I started to pop in and out of all the other little quaint shops. No sign of Mark. I got really, really annoyed. So we are on honeymoon. I do not know how long it took for us to reconnect and find each other. To be honest, it took him about 40 minutes before he even realized I wasn't around. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I was so ticked off when I did see him that I actually told him off in front, in, you know, in the little town square in front of everybody. And I just said, I want my passport and I want my money and I want that. <laughs> so he's like, okay, here it is. I just thought I would look after it all. I was like, what's the point of looking after my passport if you can't look after me? You didn't <laughs> So we already had this little uh, major, you know, little, little hiccup on honeymoon for crying out loud. So you can see there are some adjusting to do when we actually go into a new season. Our journey here in Berlin has had a lot of news. When it first started, it start, started with five people. Jules was one of the five. It started with five people. And then when Mark and I came with the kids, Isaac and Leela, there was maybe about 22 and the first Sunday we gathered together, I think it was about 22 of us. But then we went from doing dinner parties and then we started a public service. And when we started a public service, there were people who were coming to the dinner party who decided they didn't want to be part of it anymore because it was new and it was going to take something more of them. So you can understand in some seasons, if people don't step up, then actual fact, they're actually going to get left behind. And church cannot operate the same way with a thousand people as it did when there was 50. And if we are going into a new season, I just want to encourage you all and just say, let's get ready for the new season. Let's get ready to put some of the old things down and pick up some of the new things that it's going to take in order to move forward. Amen? Because building church here is actually not about ourselves. It's actually about those who have not yet encountered a loving saviour. Amen. Because with these new seasons as well, it can often take us out of our comfort zone. But it's in order for us to move forward, to enlarge and to increase our capacity, you know. But I, what I do know is with the people that I know who've embraced new seasons, what I do know and also for my own life and Mark's life is whatever the new season is, one thing I've learned is that in order to do the new season, I need to approach it with a new way of thinking, a new mindset. And we can see very clearly from the children of Israel, bless their darling hearts, we can see very clearly how not to do it. Because the children of Israel had been taken out of captivity, out of Egypt, and they had been promised a land that would be their own. But because when they came out of Egypt, they didn't change their mindset, they still had a slave mentality, they were unable to possess the land that God had actually provided for them. And as a result, they forfeited, not for just for themselves, but for the generations, they forfeited the promises of God for their lives. And you know, you and I can look at them and go, oh my days, did they really take 40 years to do an 11 day journey? Yes, they did. But you know, we can sometimes be a bit harsh on the sweet, precious children of Israel, when in actual fact, many of us are doing exactly the same thing. We are going around the same mountain again and again and again. And the reason we are doing that is because we are not putting down the old and picking up the new. And so what I want to share with tonight in the moments that I have, I want to encourage all of us when it comes to renewing our minds. Because that is the only way that we're going to be able to walk the life that God has put in front of us and take this journey literally with seatbelt on and see God do amazing things. See God do amazing things in our individual lives and in the lives of those that we love and those that are around us. In Romans 12 verse 2 in the New Living Translation, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We will get to know what God's will is for us when we change the way we think into the way God thinks about us. So, you know, back in the day, in the beginning, in the beginning, when God created us, he created us spirit, soul, and body. And he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, spirit, soul, and body. He created them to have a relationship with him. And they did. They had a relationship with him. They communed with him. It says they walked with him in the cool of the day and conversed with him. That is what Adam and Eve were doing. But you see, God created us spirit, soul, and body. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. You see, love is never love unless it's given freely. And so with Adam and Eve, just like you and I, they had a choice whether they were going to listen to what God had, had told them to do, commanded them to do, or whether they were going to disobey him. And as you and I know, that Adam and Eve, instead of listening to God when he said, you can enjoy all the fruit of the Garden of Eden, but there's one tree you must not take from, and that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And interestingly, that tree was in the center of the Garden of Eden. And I just think that is so profound because we we're actually as humanity, we are supposed to be keeping God center. Jesus is, is supposed to be the center of our lives. He is supposed to be the first and the foremost and everything else to flow out of that beautiful relationship. So as we know, Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they did take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it says in the Bible in Genesis 3 verse 6, it says that the woman was convinced she was convinced. So when the serpent came, Satan entered the serpent and came to tempt Eve and said, that's not true. You know, you, God's not telling you the real thing. He's actually saying this because of this. Instead of listening to what God had said, she started to contemplate in her mind. It wasn't in her body she was contemplating. It was in her mind she was contemplating. And this convinced, the meaning of the word convinced that we see in Genesis 3 verse 6 where it says the woman was convinced so she ate. The meaning of that word means to overcome in an argument. Some other words mean to persuade, to brainwash, to hook, to overcome, to argue into, to prevail upon, to talk into, to twist one's arm. So what we can see is that Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So instead of listening to what God said and saying to the serpent, but God said, and I'm going to obey what God said, she actually contemplated and was convinced by the enemy to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as soon as she did that, there was death. But the death was not physical death because Adam and Eve went to live on for many more years and decades and decades and to have their own children. The death was spiritual death because this beautiful alignment that had been in place when God created us, God and humanity, spirit, soul and body was severed. And so spiritual death occurred. So now we have, we actually have a massive gap with humanity. This death is spiritual death, separation from God. Because of this, God already made a plan and he sent Jesus. He sent Jesus and, you know, in a couple of months' time, we're going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus when he came to earth. Can you believe the year's almost over? 
But Jesus came to earth in the form of a baby and he grew and he lived and he honoured God. He lived a perfect life and then he was hung on a cross to die for your sins and my sins, to take the sin of the world into him and to actually conquer hell, death and the grave. And then when, when, you know, when Jesus did that, he did that so that we could be reconnected to God. And so many of us in this place today, we've actually said yes to Jesus Christ. We've actually said, yes, we need a saviour. Jesus, we acknowledge our sins. We acknowledge our wrongdoings. And we ask you to come into our life. We ask you to be our Lord and saviour. We give our lives to you. And when we do that, we are spiritually reconnected with God. How beautiful that this is how it was first intended to be. We are reconnected with God. Our spirit comes alive again and we become as it was first intended to be. And at this moment, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God Himself comes to dwell in our spirit. In Romans 8 verse 11, it says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. How amazing is that? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you and is in me. But what we now need to do, the biggest job we've got until we go to be in heaven is actually our soul. So we have a soul and our soul, we're going to talk a little bit about that later, but our soul is made up of our mind, our will and our emotions. And we live in a body. Now our body is what connects us to this world. Through our five senses, our seeing, our hearing, our smelling, our tasting, our feeling. That is what connects us to the world. Our spirit connects us to God. And what bridges us together is our soul. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the soul. Because if we're going to renew our minds, it's going to have to be done God's way, not our way. You know, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. We are spirit beings first and foremost. We're having a human experience. And if we're going to live the life God has called us to live, our soul is what we're going to have to get a grip on. Amen. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So the mind, that is what we think with. Yeah? Our emotions is what we feel with and our will is what we choose with. And I think it's fair to say that what we think dictates how we feel and how we feel dictates what we do. So what we need to do is we need to get a grip on our mind, knowing that it is our soul that bridges our spirit and our body. Amen. And if we want to live like God wants us to live on earth, we're going to have to get control over our body And it's going to take our soul. Okay. You see, the thing is, you don't need to actually do anything else other than make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior to secure your eternal destination. You don't. That's it. It's done. But if you're going to live a victorious life here on earth with the challenges in a fallen world, it's going to take renewing our minds to what God says who we are. Amen. I heard somebody once say that where the mind goes, the person follows. Christine Kane says, thoughts are like trains. They take you somewhere. So if you don't like where you are going, if you don't like the mountain that you are going around, then it's time to stop the train and get off it by actually renewing your mind 
with the word of God. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our mind will determine how we feel and what we do. So we can either allow the senses of our body to lead us, or we can be led by the Spirit of God himself as we renew our minds with his ways, not our natural ways. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 46 in the Phillips translation, it says this, The truth is that although, of course, we lead normal human lives, the battle we are fighting is on the spiritual level. The very weapons we use are not those of human warfare, but powerful in God's warfare for the destruction of the enemy's strongholds. Our battle is to bring down every deceptive fantasy and every imposing defense that men erect against the true knowledge of God. We even fight to capture every thought until it acknowledges the authority of Christ. Wow. So there is a fight. There is a fight. The Bible says we're to fight the good fight of faith. And I'm sure many of you have already have heard in the past that the battlefield that we face is in the mind. That's the battlefield. Ephesians 4 verses 20 to 24 in the Amplified Version says, Regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. It goes on to say, and put on the new. Now, we all put clothes on today, praise the Lord. It's a bit chilly to come out with no clothes on. But it means getting something and putting it either over your head or putting it on, doing the buttons up, doing the zip up. There's an action that you have to take in order to put on something. Isn't that right? And we're being encouraged here to put on the new self the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image, Godlike in the righteousness and holiness of the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. The fact is we make progress, you and I make progress as believers when we renew our minds. There cannot be change without the ongoing renewing of our minds. Faith comes by reading the Word of God. It's impossible to actually live this life without the Word of God. And you know, we can't actually be thinking on negative things all the time and think we're actually going to live a positive life. We cannot actually live joyfully if we continually meditate on sad things. We can't be generous if we have stingy thoughts. So sometimes we can be out here for a moment, but the true us will show up. When you squeezed the Colgate toothpaste this morning, what came out? Colgate toothpaste or whatever brand you use, because what's in it comes out when it's squeezed. And that's the same of us. When we're squeezed, what comes out of us? 
And I'm not saying this in any condemnation way. I'm just saying that to encourage us, to stir us up, to put the Word of God in so that when we're squeezed, what comes up and out of us is the Word of God. Amen? The truth. And we can't live free if we constantly have thoughts and murmurings and grumblings about captivity. We see that with the children of Israel. And if you and I are constantly focusing on our past, and I'm not saying that your past doesn't matter. I'm just saying it's time to deal with it because we're stepping into the new. It's time to deal with it. You see, the children of Israel kept going back to their past. At one stage, they even went, oh, you know, it would have been better if we'd been back in Egypt. That's what your thinking can make you. Your thinking can make you think that captivity is okay because it seems such a struggle to actually pursue and push forward to break free. But the name of Jesus is the name that we have. We have His name. We have all authority that heaven has given to us. So these chains that are binding you and holding you back, these chains that would seek to bind and hold the church back can be broken in the name of Jesus. Amen? In the name of Jesus, the name above all names. God wants His truth to be infused into our soul. He wants His truth of His Word to be infused into our mind, into our will, into our emotions so that we can live free. We can live free. I'm not saying challenge free because we live in a fallen world, but we can have challenges and still be free. We can have a past but still live in freedom now. Jesus didn't die so that we could stay in our chains. He died so we can have life and life more abundantly. And one of the definitions for freedom is the power to determine action without being restrained. The power to determine action without being restrained. You know, if my legs were bound in chains and my arms were bound in chains and I wanted to run out of here because there was a fire, I'm going to be restricted. But if I want to run out there because somebody's told me the Queen of England's out there and I want to run out there, I'll be able to bound out there with if I have no chains. Isn't that right? And that's what freedom is, the power to determine action without being restrained. So I want to ask you tonight, and if you're taking notes, I actually want you to ask yourself, what is restraining you? I've asked in preparing this message, I've asked myself, what is restraining me? Is it disappointment? Is it regret for you? Is there unforgiveness, abuse? Is there relational issues, financial issues, emotional issues, physical issues? Is there insecurity? To be honest, the list is endless. But why don't you name it? Why don't you get bold and name what it is that is restraining you? And then why don't you, with all of heaven back in you, look it in the eye and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I am taking you down in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take heart tonight because Jesus is here and he came to set the captives free. Renewing our mind to the Word of God, it doesn't mean that it erases the past, but it certainly allows us to live free of it. It doesn't erase the fire that you've been through, but it does allow you to live not smelling of burn. Amen? Romans 8 verse 5 to 6, again in the Amplified, I love the Amplified version. It says, for those who are living according to the flesh, and this word flesh means a life without the Spirit of God, like Adam and Eve when they were separated. For those who are living according to the flesh, set their minds 
on the things of the flesh. So when you live according to the flesh, a life outside of the Spirit of God, you set your mind on things that are outside of the Spirit of God. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. And the only way you and I are going to be able to know what His will and purpose is, is if we actually open His Word. Open His Word for what Jesus has done and is going to do. Verse 6, Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. The spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 2. I figured it's okay to read a lot of scriptures because we're in church. It talks about putting on the new self. Verse 3 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above. Habitually means not just on Sundays, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then coming together on Sundays. Just like we don't eat one meal a week. It's the same. This is like a feast where we come together as a family. It's like the Sunday roast dinner in England type of thing. But we still need to eat. Monday, ideally, breakfast, lunch, dinner with afternoon tea and morning tea chucked in. If you're in our household. Why don't we just take that approach to the Word of God and just pick three scriptures one that you're going to read and meditate on when you have your breakfast, another that you're going to read and meditate when you have your lunch, and another that you're going to read and meditate on when you have your dinner in the evening. Let's get practical about this. Because it's habitually focused on the things above, not on things that are on the earth, which are only temporal. To set our minds. We all set our alarm clocks. So how about we set our minds? by using our alarm clocks to actually read the Word of God. What is it that's restraining you? Find three scriptures and take them like medicine this week. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. I'm telling you, if you do that, I know that God will start to show you. He will start to speak to you and He will start to show you. James 1 verse 20 says, it's the implanted Word of God that will save our soul. The implanted Word of God will save the way we think, feel and act. That's pretty much what it's saying. The Word of God connects and keeps our spirit, soul and body in alignment. I want to conclude by reading James 1 verse 23 in the NIV. And it says, Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do it, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, 
but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We look in the mirror, don't we? Now, I looked in the mirror this morning, sort my hair out. I looked in the mirror before I came to church, before I came into the room here, because the makeup I have on now has been on all day and I wanted to see what it was up to. And sure enough, there's all this black smudge down here from my mascara. So when I looked into the mirror, I saw what I needed to change. And I got my little concealer thing out and got rid of all the black smudge. The purpose of looking into a mirror is to see how you are and if there are any adjustments to be made. What would be the point of me seeing what I needed to adjust, not adjusting it, but walking away from the mirror? We adjust it and we look in the mirror because we trust what the mirror is going to tell us. And I want to encourage you that the Word of God is exactly the same. When we look into the Word of God, it's like a mirror and we can trust the reflection. And when we look into the Word of God, the Word of God will reveal gently through the power of the Holy Spirit what we need to change for where we are at right now. The foolish thing is if we walk away and we don't start to adjust. Now remember, when we're adjusting, we're not doing it in our own strength. We're doing it in the Philippians 4 verse 13 strength, which is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that is the beauty of the Word. When we read and study the Word of God, we hear and read truth and we can trust the truth that we hear. And through the strength of the Holy Spirit, I believe that as we, encourage, we continue to do this, we will actually continually renew our minds and get stronger and stronger.